Helping you build a better brand through the fusion of form and function. This is the Rightly Designed Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas and this is the Rightly Designed Show. On the program today, I'm actually going to have a guest who's going to be joining me and her name is Ann Janzer. She's the author of Subscription Marketing and she also has a new book out called The Writer's Process. But the reason I'm having Anne on today is we're going to take a little bit of time to discuss the subscription economy and to answer the question, if you're considering some different ways to price your products and services, we're going to be considering the fixed price method of just a one-time payment versus a subscription model and the obvious reoccurring revenue that you would get from a model like that. So without any further delay, let's go ahead and jump right into the interview. I'm here today with Ann Janzer, the author of Subscription Marketing and the Writer's Process. Welcome, Ann. Thanks for taking the time to come on the program today. Thanks for having me here, Thomas. Yeah, glad to do it. It's actually a little bit of an interesting story how I decided to reach out to you and have you come on the program. So I'm actually in the process of starting a new startup, which is going to be selling WordPress themes and plugins and that sort of thing. And so I've been kind of wrestling with how to sort out the uh, the actual pricing model. So I was, you know, going back and forth. Do I need a fixed model? Do I need to do something that's more subscription-based? So this led me, of course, to the internet to start doing a lot of different research on the topic of subscription marketing. <laughs> so, of course, I'm going through and I'm finding all these articles, and none of them are really working out for me. I'm just kind of like, these are not providing me with a lot of information. They're kind of shallow. They don't give me specific examples. So I start looking for different books, and then it just kind of hits me. Like, <laughs> hey, wait a second. Not too long ago, I designed a book jacket for a book on this very topic. So I'm like, I need to check out that book. Lo and behold, it was perfect. It was exactly what I was looking for. That's so um, funny. Yeah, so it was like it worked out really well. Um, but one of the things that you mentioned in the book uh, was the term subscription economy, and that's mentioned throughout. So for those who aren't familiar with the term, can you give us an idea of what the subscription economy is and why we should be aware of it? Sure. So the subscription economy is, is an umbrella term to talk about um, what's happening in a lot of different industries, in fact, uh, where we're moving away from the concept of uh, one-time sales and perpetual ownership of things to an ongoing relationship uh, based on subscriptions. Now, I've been working in the, in the tech industry for a long time, and so as software has moved to cloud-based software, um, you've gone from buying a package box that you buy and install and stick on your uh, computer to, you know, subscribing uh, to, to software. But in fact, it, it is in all kinds of industries beyond beyond the tech industry uh, and beyond what you might think of uh, with you know consumer uh, content media. Um, you have one of my favorite examples from the book is that you can buy industrial chemicals as a service. So instead of buying the chemicals, you buy the process, and the chemical provider brings the chemicals and then cleans it up when it's done. It sells you the process of, of what the chemical does. So the model of moving away from a sense of, you know, one-time transfer, a linear ownership and transfer of goods to an ongoing relationship with uh, recurring revenues um, is, is affecting a lot of different industries. And it has a lot of, uh, you know, it has a lot of potential for 
different kinds of businesses. Yeah, I found that really fascinating. Actually, what was really fascinating is I was because I was listening to the the audio version of your book, but what I was finding fascinating was a lot of it just kind of got the gears turning for me personally of all the different opportunities there are out there and the different new strategies that people are employing with the subscription marketplace. I know there was a number of different new companies and services and startups you had mentioned right. in the book that thrive in the subscription economy. I mean, there were companies like Dollar Shave Club, and then there's like Amazon Prime. And then right. it, it got me thinking, of course, that kind of led me next to, to start thinking of some other ones that you know I've personally experienced. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the service Plated. But no, um, no. yeah, it's very interesting. So what it is, um, but it seemed to fit in perfectly with the type of business model that you were describing, but it's a subscription-based like dinner planning uh, service. So what they do is you go online and you, you know, you sign up w- with them and you pick like three or five or, you know, seven days a week. So what they do is they let you pick from like nine different recipes. And then what they do is, you know, once your weekly delivery comes out, they actually ship to you the specific ingredients that you need to make each of those recipes. And it's oh. all fresh. So it's not like frozen stuff. It's all fresh. And what's interesting about it is that they did it in such a way as to it's all it's all fresh, but it's even fresher than what you get at the grocery store because it goes straight from, you know, farms and, you know, produce places directly to their facility and then to your doorstep. So, you know, you don't actually wait for it to, like, go bad for a week or, you know, to sit in a week at a grocery store and then you buy it. It just goes straight to your door. And it's all on a subscription basis. So this kind of got me thinking. It's like there's a lot of these type of new and innovative companies that are popping up that are starting to employ exactly what you were describing in the book. So, And, of course, you did mention a number of those companies in the book. So what were some of the companies that stood out to you that were, you know, employing the subscription marketing model really successfully? Well, yeah, there's there are so many. And and I think that your point is is to the – uh, that a lot of the new companies, a lot of things that are coming on the, the market and, and disrupting or uh, making waves in different industries are actually deploying this model, uh, which is uh, pretty interesting. Um, there are so many. I, the, the strangest one I found uh, on when I was researching the book was a subscription airline food <laughs> service, which I didn't understand at all. Um, but there's this whole the whole subscription box economy is really interesting. And one of the ones that I have found since that I really enjoy is uh, a, a service that does, uh, let's say, uh, Netflix for Legos. So they send you Legos kits you can assemble and then ship back. And if you've ever had kids who went through, you know, the Netflix uh, kits, you would you would appreciate the value of this kind of a service. So this is something that adds a lot of value because it is a subscription, because you don't actually have to buy and own every new kit that, that, that Lego comes out with. You can just subscribe to a certain number of them per month, uh, have the fun of putting them together, and then bring it, you know, send it back into the universe. Um, and one of the things that I like about this model in a lot of industries is that it it's, gives us a path to a, a more sustainable model with resources. Not everybody has to own one of everything. There's some of the sharing economy overlaps a bit with the subscription economy in really interesting ways. 
Yeah, I did find you had mentioned um, you'd mentioned the airline food subscription. I found that one fascinating as well. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, that was only in Germany, right? It was only in Germany, where they must have much better airline food. <laughs> I was going to say, that seems like a really <laughs> odd thing to seek out when you've got, you know, hundreds of different types of cereal in the cereal aisle. You're, you know, know. And all the different things we have available to us, you're going to order a subscription <laughs> yeah, to right. airline food. So I thought I'm that was funny. I'm not sure that one has actually survived. I haven't followed up on it. <laughs> Very, very funny, though. Um, But you had mentioned as well, which I, again, something I also found really interesting, uh, was the fact that there were a lot of companies, because I've already touched on, you know, like the plated example. That's kind of a new company that all revolves around the subscription marketplace. Same thing with like Harry's, which is they do shaving products and it's all in the subscription uh, base as well. But there's there's more legacy or, or older companies that have started to switch from fixed pricing to the subscription model. One that comes to mind is like Adobe. I've been an Adobe user for like 12 years and I've watched it progress from that, what you're describing, that, you know, big box software that you had to order and wait a week to arrive to Adobe Cloud, which is now everything, you know, on a subscription basis that updates automatically rather than needing to buy a new you know, version of the software. Yeah. So are there some, some of the different companies that really stood out to you that made that transition and did it well? Yeah, well, Adobe obviously is, is clearly one of them. Um, and that's a lot of the tech companies have struggled with that. Um, the, the issue with a, a large established uh, company, if you're, you know, in a, in a really big company uh, and you have the traditional sales model, it's, it can be really hard and painful to make a transition um, because the way you have to think about sales is a little bit different. The way you have to think about marketing is a little bit different. Um, and the, one of the ways, you know, marketing becomes a long-term relationship. That's, I think, the, the biggest difference. Um, and so it's been fun to watch how Adobe marketing is, is expanding uh, to, to make this switch um, I'm trying to think of other companies right now. I will come up with some, but uh, <laughs> you have to give me a moment. Yeah, no, that's fine. No, I found um, Adobe was really interesting, at least from a user perspective. Because at first when they made the switch, as a customer, I thought to myself, you know, eh, I don't really like this. This is kind of lame. I just want to pay for my software once and be done with it. But as they, but what they did when they made the switch is they added a lot of value. Number one, like when I used to buy the software, right? So I'd, I'd buy the software, I would get Adobe Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator, uh, Acrobat Professional, and maybe a couple of other tools. I'd pay for that package, I'd get that software. But now with the subscription, I get like everything. I get like After Effects, I get Premiere, I get tons of other apps and software that I would not even understand or know how to use, but they give you everything in the, you know, everything but the kitchen sink. And then they throw in like the cloud service and they make the updating really easy to work with. Then they add in like uh, a bunch of different portfolio services that you can connect to. So they just keep adding value to make it worth that monthly subscription. So now I am paying that monthly fee, but I'm, I'm fine with it now because I've got a ton of other services that they've given you know, to kind of complement that monthly, to justify that monthly fee, so to speak. Right, exactly. They're, they're add, they continue to add value after, after you sign up, which is, which is really essential. Um, it, it, you know, the, because you're, you, as a customer, you're, you're constantly looking at that monthly fee, and you have to make, weigh and make that decision every month or perhaps annually if that's what you've set up. Is it worth the hassle of, of changing? Am I getting enough value to keep 
to pay this again, you know, that's, that's something you continue to assess. So the smartest businesses will continue to find ways to add value to that experience of being a customer. And it, it may live, it may live within the solution in the case of Adobe's throwing, you know, more software at you, or it may be outside of the solution. It may be community. It may be uh, content they provide. It, it may be additional support uh, in the relationship. Um, so there's a lot of ways to add value uh, on an ongoing way to the customer after the initial sale. Yeah, that's uh, definitely true and something that you kind of see throughout in terms of a lot of these different companies. I know Amazon Prime is another one that comes to comes to mind, which I actually found strange because when I first signed up for Prime, it was pretty much just for the two-day shipping. And that was like, yeah. and that's the only reason. It wasn't until later on I found out, oh, they do like video, like movie streaming and all this other stuff, which I very rarely use it. But it was like, there are other companies that are a little bit more forthcoming with all the benefits. When I first signed up for Amazon Prime, I was just kind of surprised by the extra features. So it was very interesting. Some of them have different uh, methods, that it seems, for selling their customers on the service. But yeah, so very interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, we, I always like to, you know, kind of begin to distill things down because these are really interesting concepts in terms of, you know, what the subscription economy is and companies that have done really well with it and some, you know, that have kind of put a creative spin on producing their businesses with it. But I always like to kind of distill it and down for people who are getting ready to sell their own products and services, you know, or who are interested in doing so. So one of the things that kind of got me onto this subject and ended up listening to your book was just that that question. I just wanted to know the answer to what are the pros and cons of doing a, you know, fixed pricing versus a subscription model. So for somebody who's getting ready, you know, I'm getting ready to create a new product or I've already got products. What are the, the things they need to weigh between sure. if they're going to do fixed pricing or subscription model? Okay. Um, there's, let's start with the things that are easier to measure in a sense, which is, uh, the revenue discussion, right? So the subscription model gives you, uh, recurring revenue, ongoing revenue, and that is a lovely, lovely thing. Um, so, so that's why a lot of, uh, startups like it, a lot of businesses like it, their investors like it because, you know, it, it's the life, the potential lifetime value of a customer is much greater if you continue to keep them happy with a subscription model. Um, the, the flip side to that, which is if you're starting out can be a little tough, is that you don't get the big burst of revenue when someone first buys, you know, because they're not there. If you're subscribing, you know, the revenue is metered out over months or years. And in some cases, it can take uh, over a year or two for a customer to become profitable, in this right, model, right? right? If you, depending on your cost of acquisition for the customer and then the cost of serving the customer. Um, certainly in the, in the big software world, I think there's a, there was a number uh, published that someone did a study and decided it was 2.1 years before an enterprise software customer was profitable. So that's something to think about. Um, I was working with a startup once whose uh, investors were very excited about it being a uh, cloud-based software and then they went back to the investors with the first deals and the investors said, wait, why are these numbers so small? <laughs> they were used to enterprise software. You get a big chunk of revenue at the beginning and it's, well, it's a, it's a subscription. <laughs> it's, you, don't, you don't get all the revenue up front. Gotcha. So you're, you're absorbing a little bit of risk in the relationship, which is why you have to continue to invest in and pay attention to that customer relationship. 
Um, I think there's another huge upside if you handle it well, which is that when you have a subscription relationship with your customers, it, it is an ongoing relationship. You have the opportunity to add value outside of the solution to learn more about your customers um, and by doing so to really strengthen your place in your customers' lives. Um, by learning more from them, learning what they value, it, you know, it becomes a two-way communication with your customers. And that's a huge, uh, that can give you a huge benefit over companies that are just putting something out there and, and selling and walking away. Gotcha. So, kind of, so to kind of break it down a little bit, I guess, if somebody's interested in they're kind of, you know, they're weighing the two options, the big benefit to doing a fixed pricing model is is in the short term, in the sense that you will likely get a, you know, you'll, your revenue will be higher up front. However, yep. over the life of that customer, it would be a lot larger in the long term if you did something that was like a subscription model. Right, exactly. Yes. So, yeah, yeah very, very interesting. And it's always uh, something, you know, kind of to weigh the, the pros and cons between both of them. Now, if, say, somebody is getting ready and they're deciding they want to go down the road of a subscription model option, uh-huh. um, what are the things that they need to consider beforehand? What are the things that are important and unique to offering something as a subscription rather than a fixed price? Well, again, uh, the, the unique thing is that you really have to pay attention to what happens after that initial sale. Um, and and it, it, it sounds obvious, but if you have a larger sales organization, for example, there's a culture in sales of, of chasing the sale and then, you know, being done. And you have to change that culture in sales and marketing. Um, and I think that you have to be very careful about uh, the handoffs within your business. If you have a larger organization, the handoffs of the customer through the cycle, uh, because you, again, this is... the short-term versus long-term. This is a long-term relationship. Um, but the thing to keep in mind is that it doesn't always have to be an either-or proposition. I mean, you, you can find ways to use, if it, Amazon Prime is an example, the subscription, which is Prime, is really something that moves their one-time sales because the free shipping you know, they bring you in with the videos and you got the free shipping. So where are you going to go to buy your stuff? Well, I'll go to the place that gives me the free shipping. So the subscription is actually moving non-subscription sales. Um, you know, so there's, there, there are creative ways to think of how subscription might fit as a piece of your overall marketing package or your overall uh, pricing and, and packaging and promotions. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually a really interesting point. I never really thought about that. But yeah, you're actually... You're paying for a service that Amazon uses as leverage to get you to keep coming back to them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> pretty, exactly. Pretty interesting. Because I did see not too long ago that Amazon also offers their own subscription products, which is fairly new. I noticed that like, if you go on there and you want to buy paper towels, you can buy paper towels in bulk. But then you can also – like, they've got two options where you can buy it one, one time or you can say – buy it every two months and it's just it's a subscription through Amazon so right uh, everybody's doing it <laughs> it seems everybody to be yeah in retail it's in retail it's really it's catching on in a big way uh, for that reason it's the convenience uh, as well 
as the regular sales. Yeah, definitely. So, okay, so for those who are, you know, let's say somebody's got like an online course or they've got some digital products that they sell at like fixed or hourly rate or services or however they want to sell, they currently sell them. What are some of the strategies that they can employ in order to successfully make a switch from their current fixed pricing to a subscription model? Yeah, this is this is a good question. The first thing I would say is you might look outside of your current industry. Uh, I talked with a company that had online courses that they they were delivered via video, but then there was a community. Everybody got together during a time period, so they were time bound uh, with. Uh, online community part of it. They decided to go subscription and they just put them all up as uh, on-demand video and it didn't work at all. And part of it was that they they sacrificed uh, some of what was special, which was the community part of the course. You know, it became a commodity. Uh, so we, we chatted and thought, well, you know, there's other ways to do this. You can look at other, you don't have to look be like every other online course provider. Uh, we looked instead at, at the example of Audible, which is the uh, online book, uh, audiobook providers. They have a, um, you know, you can subscribe to one book a month or two books a month, and you can buy books in addition to your subscription, or you can just buy the books uh, without a subscription. You know, they, they give you a lot of different ways, but in that case, the subscription is a way to encourage people to do you know, to listen more regularly. So we, you know, took a look at their classes and said, maybe you should just offer people that you can have, you know, two classes a year or three classes a year or buy them outside the subscription, something like that. Uh, so find some different ways. Look around at all the different, you know, take off your, your hat as somebody who's selling things for a moment and look at your life as a consumer and all the different models through which you might uh, be subscribing for things and see if any of those make sense to you because it doesn't really matter what everyone in your industry is doing. You might come up with something much better. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. I think that's uh, – it kind of illustrates as well, I think, the fact that the way that you're – since when you're switching from fixed to an actual subscription model, the, the actual product itself can change too. Like, I, like if I were to go back to that – example of doing an online course if you were to just like you said just kind of switch it over to a subscription model that may not work out that well because there's no real added benefit for somebody to be paying you know monthly whereas let's say if you took your online course made it a subscription but then you added to it once a month then that would make sense it would be something that is ongoing that continually has value being added to it so at that point in time, you're kind of you're shifting the way your product is offered, and you're actually shifting the product a little bit too. And like you said, you can also go outside of your current industry and what you're currently doing to find you know different ideas and kind of branch out. So no, that definitely makes sense for sure. Yeah, for sure. So then also, uh, just kind of as an aside to that, what are some? And you may have already seen these just in some of the research you've done or your own experience. What are some of the pitfalls that people should watch out for if they're on a fixed price solution and they're you know they're moving to a subscription model? Right. Uh, one of them is that you know that weathering the revenue shift, you know, because you will lose that the way your money comes in is going to change, and and the transition can be tough, uh, and the cultural change of of paying attention and and. You know, I can't 
I, I stress it a lot in the book on subscription marketing, just how important it is to keep focusing on adding value. Uh, it, it's a cultural shift uh, for a lot of organizations and uh, for marketing organizations to continue to remain involved. Um, so that's, that's something that you really have to make sure you commit to. Um, you don't want to build your subscription business on a model of how much can we get from the customer. And you, know, you never want to be in the situation that you have to take things away from the customer, remove value from, from what you're offering them. And I, I say this because I don't know if you're an Evernote user and they have this you know, free Evernote service and now they said, well, we, we need to restrict what the free users can do more. And that's, that's never good. You know, taking away value is never good. So plan carefully what you want to offer uh, and try not to have to back out um, of it in any way. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. That's good. Actually, it's funny because I have I've Evernote open right now. I'm a yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm an avid Evernote user, but that's actually a really good point. I was actually um, talking with someone just recently who was talking about um, the fact that there was no like value that they were noticing in upgrading to the Pro because most yeah. people use Evernote the same way. They clip web pages, they keep notes, they write. I mean, some people actually you know write their books or their blog posts in Evernote. Um, but he wasn't really finding the value in upgrading to their pro. And so it was funny because I said, well, I actually did. And I'm probably uh, one of the rare people who are like this. But I work with tons of different large files. So I'm constantly throwing around Photoshop files and InDesign yeah. files that are like 50, 100 megabytes. <laughs> and so I will take these things and I will organize them specifically with notes and a lot of things I'm doing. Or, you know, if I'm working on a book jacket design, what I'll do is I'll scour the internet and I'll find 10, 20, 50 different concepts that'll kind of give me some idea of a specific genre. I'll throw those all into a note. And so what I found was that in Evernote, I was hitting my maximum like usage amount, like monthly usage amount that they were allotting me in like three days. So I was oh, like, wow. okay, yeah. <laughs> fine, so, I'll pay for it. Here you go. Here's five bucks. So, <laughs> But that was legit. They set off the free one and said, you know, this is it. It's free up to this amount. And obviously you're someone who's getting a lot of value from the service. So, it, you know, it, it's not that painful for you to, to upgrade. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm thinking about how they should have or should or could uh, handle this transition a little bit better in terms of the large number of people who who use it free, who don't use it as heavily as you do, but who have, I mean, let's be honest, probably driven the company's growth by sharing and, you know, evangelizing about how wonderful Evernote is and how big a part it is of their lives. Um, so in a way, I think that you know, the, the freemium model, the assumption is X, a certain percentage are free and a certain percentage are paid. And uh, you, it, you just need to be careful that if you're planning that model that you understand what those percentages should be and you can move forward in a sustainable way without uh, annoying the ones who have been helping you grow. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really that's a really good point. I think you mentioned that in the, in the book, if I'm not mistaken, when you talk about there's some companies that have, you know, 5, 10, 15 percent of their user base pays for the other you know, 95, 90, 85% that sure. are using it for free. Yeah. And that's a good point. You have to know up front whether or not that's actually going to be feasible, if that's actually going to be something that will carry your product or if you're going to find yourself underwater. And, you know, another good point I thought you brought out as well to kind of highlight is that you do need to plan that out really well up front because, like you said, with Evernote, it's not something I personally noticed. 
Um, but if you're using the free version and they change it and they start cutting out features and putting them in a paid version, that doesn't leave a good taste in people's mouths. Number one and number two, it just encourages a competitor to come along and <laughs> eat your lunch. Yeah. So. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so plan carefully, I guess, is that always the, always the point. <laughs> Definitely. So in, uh, have you ever come across, are there any specific tools that you would recommend for people who are interested in starting a subscription-based model? Is there anything out there that you've worked with or seen that can help people achieve that? Um, I know that there's the company Zwara, which does subscription billing and analytics. Uh, and so if you are a larger business, I think that that would be um, something to look into. Oh, okay. Uh, they, they have really, they focus very heavily on the, the needs of the subscription economy. They have a conference every year called Subscribed. <laughs> so uh, they're, and this is where they're making uh putting all their energy and focus on. So it would be something worth uh, worth looking at. And even if you don't go to using their software, check out their website because they have a lot of educational uh, resources in their uh, Zora Academy that might be really useful on, on pricing and billing and, and the you know that part of the logistics of building a subscription business. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. And I'll go ahead and I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. If you want to go to rightlydesignedshow.com, slash 18 i'll be able to leave those like i mentioned i'll leave a link to that in the show notes if you're listening and you want to check that out uh, another one i'll mention which i've been using for a little while now is gumroad and i'm not sure Anne, if you've ever heard of gumroad before but they uh they're for selling digital products and it's great for people who are just starting out so if you've got like uh you know online courses you want to offer or an ebook or something like that but not too long ago they actually incorporated in the ability to do a subscription based products. So if you're doing a membership site or if you're doing something that you're going to offer continual value to, they make that really easy. Of course, the payment gateway is all built in and it's um, you don't have to worry about setting up a you know a third party payment gateway or anyway anything they just do it all for you. So yeah, I've I've just been looking into that myself uh, some recently and actually going to be using that um, we're going to be using that platform to start selling these WordPress themes. So that that may be another one to check out if you're needing to find a specific tool to help uh, to help with subscription services. So that one's pretty useful as well. Terrific. Um, so yeah, definitely. Okay. So uh, in addition to subscription marketing, your latest book is called The Writer's Process. So I just wanted to give you a quick moment to tell us a little bit about that book as well. Thank you. Yeah. So that The Writer's Process is uh the subtitle is Getting Your Brain in Gear, and that's a clue to the fact that it's, it's, it's looking at writing with a bit of a cognitive science slant. Uh, it looks at topics of attention and flow and creativity and mindset and how they apply to the end-to-end writing practice. Um, I, I suggest that we have different mental systems involved in writing, which I refer to as the muse and the scribe. The scribe being the hardworking, intentional, focused part of uh, the brain and the muse, the intuitive and automatic and inspired. And uh, writing is all about getting those two systems to work together well. And when you can do that, it's, it's fun and you can be creative and productive. Uh, so that's what the book's about in short. And it has a wonderful cover about which I've gotten many great comments. I, I think coffee really resonates with the writers, Thomas. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yep, definitely. It's actually, it was, it's kind of funny. It's, I, I put, 
I designed these book covers so the image is always kind of in the back of my head, but then it's like, I never actually think it's like, these are actually some, some really good books. I need to actually read these. So, <laughs> so uh, I'll probably check out your second book as well, especially because the I found subscription marketing is so useful. So no, that that definitely works. Okay. Um, but yeah, if you would like to, if you're listening and you'd, you'd like to get the audio version of Anne's book, Subscription Marketing, uh, you know, to go into a little bit more in depth with uh, what we've covered today, you can get it absolutely free today thanks to Audible. So, if you'd like to get a free copy of the audio version of Anne's book, Subscription Marketing, just go to rightlydesigned.com/audible and start a 30-day free trial to get your audiobook absolutely free. Again, that's rightlydesigned.com/audible. Okay, Anne, uh, was there anything else you'd like to cover just as we kind of wrap this up? No, that's great. It's it's very meta to to go and subscribe to something to get a book on subscription marketing. I just had to exactly, say that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it, it fits all too well. Exactly. <laughs> all righty. Well, uh, where can people go if they want to connect with you? Great. So my website is annjanzer.com. That's A-N-N-E, janzer.com. And there's a contact site on there, or I'm just Anne at annjanzer.com. I'd be happy to, to chat with anyone about subscription marketing or... Uh, anything else related to the the topic of the show. Perfect. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Anne, for taking the time to come on the program. Thank you, Thomas. You're listening to the fusion of form and function. This is the Rightly Designed Show. Okay, that's going to conclude the interview today with Anne Janzer, the author of Subscription Marketing. If you'd like to check out some of the services or things that were mentioned throughout the length of this interview, feel free to visit rightlydesignedshow.com slash 18. That's rightlydesignedshow.com slash 18, where you'll be able to find the show notes and uh, various links to the things that were mentioned again throughout the length of the interview. So I'd like to thank you once again for tuning into the Rightly Designed Show, and we'll see you next week. Enjoying the Rightly Designed Show? Please consider taking a quick moment to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or the channel of your choice. Visit rightlydesigned.com slash show for links to these channels and more.